and welcome back to our fourth week, case number four, and our second pride case of the month. Our second and last pride case of the year. Depressing. It's very depressing. We'll be back. Sorry, moving the mic. We'll be back next year. Oh, I'm Mikhail, your co-host, by the way. You look so dead inside. I wish you guys could see her face. She's just like, my name's Mikhail. I'm trying to hold in sneezes right now. And I'm your host, Peyton. I feel like I pronounced my name weird. Peyton. I guess I'm gonna flag this as a hate crime. Trigger warning hate crime. Trigger warning a lot of political overtones. And terrorism. Terrorism. Domestic terrorism. This is a mass shooting. A lot of death, but this is actually really sad. I'm not gonna play the 911 recordings of the people when they were trapped inside the club. I'm just kinda gonna play the shooter's 911 call that we get a little bit of information from. I feel like it would be disrespectful to kinda do more. Alright, I guess we should just get into it. This also happened this once. This was in 2016. Yeah, five year anniversary, unfortunately, just a couple weeks ago. Interesting fact that I'll reiterate at the ending of this case, the owner of the Pulse nightclub, they're going to set up a museum and memorial in 2022. Oh, wow. So next year. Nice. I didn't know that. Because I was, like, trying to get background information on the (coughs) Pulse Mm -hmm. to, like, see if it was still open, and it kind of talked about it a little bit. Is it? No. 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 Nope. Nice. I wouldn't, yeah. I don't know if anybody would. I mean, I'm pretty sure, like, some people would go. People with very dark, sensitive humor mm. might go to the club i don't think i could not knowing that like 49 people died there yeah not for me though i don't think you'd want to keep it open it's not worth it no i think the loss of income you yeah. would just kind of deal with because i think there's a line of like respectfully making income and then disrespectfully making income and i just feel like uh she didn't want to cross that line which mm-hmm. i appreciate in 1985 prior to pulse's founding it was, the property was located at 1912 South Orange Avenue. It used to be a pizza restaurant named Lorenzo's. Ooh. And then in 1999, it was called Dante's, which was a bar. And then Dante's closed down in 2003. And then founded by Barbara Poma and Bron Legler. Pulse was opened on July 2nd, 2004. Barbara's brother John died in 1991 from AIDS, and the club is named for John's Pulse to live on, according to the marketing staff member in 2016. Which I think that that's sweet. Yeah. Pulse. Like, that's mm-hmm. nice. Barbara ensured that her brother's memory was prominent on the website and that the facility was just more than just another gay club. The venue had a focus on local talent. Ron, who was president of the Florida Theatrical Association when Pulse was founded, also founded two other nightclubs in Lake... Eola Park? Ola? I'd say Eola. Eola. Yeah. Eola. Eola. In 2010, (laughs) before moving to Baltimore in 2014, the Washington Post described the club's first 12 years as a community hub for HIV prevention, breast cancer awareness, and immigrant rights, and reported it had partnered with educational advocacy groups such as Come Out With Pride, Equality Florida, and the Zebra Coalition. That's interesting. It's a lot of different things to be involved in to be a club, too. Again, the Pulse Nightclub is not open at the moment. In November of 2016, the city of Orlando agreed to buy the nightclub for $2.25 million. Wow. That's a lot of money. It's kind of odd for me. I don't know why after a mass shooting, why the city of Orlando would buy it for any other reason than making a memorial, which is why the mayor buddy wanted to do it. He mm-hmm. was like, hey, I'm going to buy this club and I'm going to make it into a memorial, which I guess is okay. It kind of makes me icky. Why? What do you mean? Like, I don't know. Like, you're going to spend millions of dollars to buy this club mm-hmm. where, like, almost 50 people died? Like, that's icky. Yeah. I don't know. 
The concept of, like, money that large just makes me icky. Yeah, that is quite a bit of money. $2.25 million, and you're just gonna make a memorial out of it? Like, wouldn't you agree to just kind of do that, maybe, with the owner? Barbara, the owner, refused to sell the nightclub in the city in December 2016. Instead, she announced in May 2017 the creation of One Pulse Foundation to independently fund a Pulse Memorial Museum, stated to open in 2022. Nice. That makes me feel a little bit better. Peyton's a dummy. Why is he saying, oh, okay, now it's fine when it's independently funded? Because you don't know. I feel like it's like blood money. Also, you're selling it to the city. Like, they're not like, here, we're going to give you this money and we're going to help you turn it into this. Yeah. Like, that you. was Barbara's yeah. club. You're to giving help it honor up. her brother. And I'm pretty sure she feels completely shitty. Yeah. That almost 50 people were murdered there, I don't think she wanted to be like, yeah, I trust the city to give me yeah. $2 million. $2.25 million and, and take just care of it. turn it into a memorial, nothing more. I'm gonna say kudos. Kudos for Barbara. Because I'm pretty sure she's gonna run into a lot more obstacles independently trying to fund this on her own, but yeah. I feel like it means a lot more. <laughs> yeah, care. I read some of the families don't want there to be a memorial and museum at all, and I guess I kind of see both sides of that, I guess, in some families' eyes, it's kind of like... Give me an example, just give me a random um, example. Like, people selling Ted Bundy's car. Like, you can auction off, like, oh, Jeffrey Dahmer's like, glasses, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that. I see what you mean. You okay, know? just, just wrong. Like, morally, I think. Profiting off of people's demise. Yeah. Or profiting off of people's tragedy. Yeah. Definitely. Which, to be fair, guys, I feel the same way about selling, like, Ted Bundy's car and Jeffrey Dahmer's glasses and Richard Ramirez's shit. It's all gross. It's all icky. Yeah, that's nasty. Okay, how about we just burn it instead? Okay, maybe not. Maybe not burn it. But, like, maybe not just keep it locked in a museum forever and not let people buy it. I don't even think it should be in a museum. Money on display it's very triggering i wanted to put that out there that i understand that some people are opposed to it i don't know how i feel about it and i don't think that i'm allowed to have an opinion on it yeah that's just my take yeah we weren't i'm not even remotely infected by this incident so i'm not gonna be like i'm totally for a memorial memorial's cool yeah or i'm totally against it i think that it is a beautiful thing to do to try and remember the victims. But I think if the family or some of the surviving victims don't want you to do that, maybe you shouldn't do it. Yeah. That hot take, hot take from me. Who are directly involved and are going to see, have to see that and have to be reminded. So if they don't want it, maybe there's a reason. In the events kind of leading up to this, and I know that this doesn't always happen, but it was interesting because I was 16 at the time. And do you remember when Christina Grimmie was shot? Mm-hmm. That singer? Yes. yes. Yeah, this that happened like directly before this. Really? And then this, yeah, it was like bam, bam. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wasn't she, was she shot like by a fan or like by her ex-boyfriend? I don't I don't remember, remember a lot of that incident. I just incident. remember her being shot and it was a big deal. Did she die? But that is very, like that's, I just thought it would be interesting to include that that happened at the beginning of the weekend and then this happened to midway point to ending point. Yeah, she died June 10th. She was buried June 6th. Murder-suicide at a meet-and-greet event. Kevin James Loible suicide. He was 27 years old. She was taken to the hospital in critical condition with four gunshot wounds. She was shot once in the head and twice in the chest. He had an unhealthy and unrealistic infatuation with the singer. Anyway, sorry for this tangent. Saturday night was Latin Night at the Pulse, one of the city's best-known gay clubs, and the place was packed with patrons, both gay and straight, young and not-so-young, from the U.S., 
Puerto Rico, the Dominican Republic, Mexico, and elsewhere. Having a good time, dancing. Dancing, salsa, and... Yeah, those are dancing. At 2.02 a.m., according to an FBI timeline, Orlando police received reports that multiple shots had been fired at Pulse. An off-duty officer was working there and engaged in a gun battle with the shooter said Orlando Police Chief John Mina. The suspect at some point went back inside the club where more shots were fired. Additional officers arrived at 2.04 a.m. and entered the Pulse four minutes later, exchanging gunfire with the attack. Can we talk about how quick the police were? Because I'm going to read through this and you're going to see, like, at 202, 2.06, 2.15. Like, I get it, Orlando. They probably have a ton of police. Normally, the police are- They're on top of it. And maybe there was nothing to do that night. Like, they were, like, they, they were, had enough people. They were getting a lot of calls. I will not mention this. You guys can go search for it if you want. But I did listen to one of the audio recordings, and it was this girl. And she was, like, crying on the phone. And she said, my friend has been shot. And the guy was like, you're going to have to. He was kind of rude about it. He was like, you're going to have to wait for the paramedics. You're going to have to wait. And she was, like, crying even harder. And she was like, no, you don't understand. My friend's been shot. She's right here. She's bleeding. And he was like, are you with her right now? And she couldn't talk. And Mm -hmm. he was like, are you with her right now? And she was like, yes, I'm with her right now. That's what I've been trying to tell you. And she was like, he was like, okay, I'm going to connect you to the the Orlando firefighter line. And they're going to have to, they're going to tell you how to give her CPR. And she was just crying. He was like, I have to hang up. I have to answer other phone calls. Holy shit. Yeah, but his supervisors were probably pushing that on him. These people are in distress. You don't have to be an ass. Oh my God. I have to hang up. God, (laughs) shut the hell up. Do your job. (laughs) The first burst of gunfire around 2 a.m. were captured on video by 25-year-old Amanda Alvier. Yeah. The footage was uploaded to Snapchat. In a video, she is recording herself and others as they dance to the last song of the evening at the popular gay club. She then turns the camera toward her own face. She is staring into the lens as the first few shots are heard. They do not seem to phase her, but as they continue unrelenting roughly 20 rounds, the video abruptly ends. She was listed among among the dead on Monday. Just before the shooting began, 28-year-old Ashley Summers and her friends went to the bartender, Katie, at the Pulse's back bar to order one more round. A vodka soda and a lime for Mr. Summers, a vodka Red Bull for one friend, and the specialty drink for the other. One of Miss Summers' friends was polishing the credit card receipt with all sorts of pleasant treats for the bar tinder sexy kitten moi you are the best they're probably just drunk yeah definitely hitting on the bartender yeah thank you so much you're so beautiful for 15 seconds through the pulsing of the salsa music they thought it must have been firecrackers miss summer said in an interview but they eventually figured out it was gunshot miss summer said a friend pulled her to the ground they felt a glass shining overhead that's crazy at 209 a warning appeared on the club's facebook page everyone get out of pulse and keep running which can you imagine i get goosebumps from the like pulse nightclub facebook page get out and run like everybody get out of pulse and keep running and start running keep running yeah oh my god that's so scary as soon as angel colin heard the gunshots he and his friends ran for their lives but colin was shot three times he fell and was trampled all around him he heard gunshots and cries for help i could just see him shooting at everyone and i can hear the shots getting closer i look over and he shoots this girl next to me and i'm just laying there thinking i'm next i'm dead just all hell broke loose. People running for the door, jumping over the gates. Also known as DJ Infinite, Ray Riviera, who had been playing music that night in the patio area, he took cover behind his booth and shielded two others. He was able to free safely, collecting all the accounts from people that were inside the club. Mm-hmm. This is scary. I watched some police body cam footage. When they go in the club, there are cell phones all over the ground. And they're all ringing. Like, they're all ringing. Oh my god. That is so eerie. 
When the shots erupted, Norman Cassiano dropped to his knees and crawled to what was apparently from a different bathroom, seeking safety in a stall where many people were already crammed together. He tried to call 911, then his mother shouting, Mom, into the phone before the call was dropped. Which, can you imagine? Like, you're the shooter, and you're, like, just walking into a bathroom, you can just hear people screaming for their parents. Mm -hmm. Like, on the phone. That's so scary. Mr. Cassiano, 25, and others huddled together. A wounded man staggered into the bathroom and dropped to the floor. They urged him to try and stay quiet. At one point, as the gunman approached, Mr. Cassiano said he could hear the shells clattering to the floor and the gun reloading. Oh my god. And then Mr. Mateen, which is the shooter, entered the bathroom. Just firing, 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 said Mr. Cassiano, said in an interview. He was hit once in the back and felt a hot pulse of pain tear into him, as if his leg has been severed. He ended up being shot twice in the back, and both bullets passing through his body. Mr. Cassiano said the gunman did not say anything, but laughed as people begged him not to shoot him and assured him that they did not know who he was and had not seen his face. All I heard was a laugh. He laughed like an evil laugh, like there's something that was just going to be imprinted into my head forever. A laugh of like, ha, I did it. When the gunman left the bathroom, Mr. Cassiano tried to urge the others to leave. He said he was able to slip away and escape. He said he was in a hospital bed by about 3 a.m., two hours before the siege ended. Orlando's escape took much longer. Hiding with his friend, all he could hear was the gunman drawing closer, the sound of each round getting louder. He and his friends positioned themselves onto the toilet. He was also embraced oh, he also braced one foot against the stall door. Around this time, Mina Justice was asleep at home when she received a text from her thirty year old son, Eddie Justice. He was also hiding in a bathroom stall at the club. Would you like to read these text messages? I feel like people don't hear you talk a lot and I'm gonna cry. Aww. Okay. Eddie Justice, this is what he's texting his mom. Says, Mommy, I love you. The first message read, It came in at 2.06 a.m. In club, they shooting. Only two minutes later, he wrote, I'm gonna die. Another 30 minutes would pass before I sent a text begging for help. Call them, Mommy, he pleaded. Hurry, he wrote. He's in the bathroom with us. Orlando said he never looked Mr. Mateen in the eye, but recalled his calm voice. At one point, after noticing that that some of the hostages in the bathroom were texting, the gunman ordered them to surrender their phones. He spoke again, according to Orlando, asking the hostages, Are you guys black? He said, I don't have an issue with the blacks, Orlando said. Early in the siege, the gunman called 911 to pledge his allegiance to the Islamic State, Chief Mina said. He was cool and calm when he was making those phone calls to us, he said. Orlando could hear the gunman speaking on the phone, presumably to the police. He spoke about how America should stop bombing the Islamic State. And so now, it's 2.18 and the SWAT team's getting called. Because this man isn't letting people out. Yeah. He's now taking their phones. All they hear is rounds going off inside. At 2.35 a.m., about half an hour after the shooting began, the shooter made one of several 911 calls, according to the FBI. I'm going to play that 911 call for you guys. June 12, 2016. The time, 2.48 a.m.
Hi there, this is Orlando Police. Who am I speaking with, please? You're speaking with the person who pledged his allegiance to the Islamic State. Okay, um, can you tell me where you are right now so I can get you some help? No, because you have to tell America to stop bombing Syria and Iraq. They're killing a lot of innocent people. So what, what am I to do here when my people are getting killed over there? You get what I'm saying? I, I do. I completely get what you're saying. What I'm trying to do is prevent anybody else from getting in. the U.S. airstrikes. They need to stop the U.S. airstrikes, okay? I understand they that. They need to stop the U.S. airstrikes. You have to tell the U.S. government to stop bombing. They're killing too many children. They're killing too many women. Okay? I understand that. But here's, here's, here's why I'm here right now. I'm with the Orlando police. Can you tell me what you know about what's going on tonight? What is, what's going on yeah. is that I feel the pain of the people getting killed in Syria and Iraq and all over the Muslim America. Okay. So, so, have you done something about that? Yes, I have. Tell me what you did, please. No, you already know what I did. Well, I'm trying to, to figure out how to keep you safe and how to get this resolved peacefully because I'm not a politician, I'm not a government. All I can do is help individuals. I'm going to start with helping you. By the way, there's there's some vehicles outside that have some bombs just to let you know. You people are going to get it, and I'm going to ignite it if they try to do anything stupid. Okay, I, under, I understand that, and I'll pass that along. Can you tell me what vehicle? Because I don't want to see anybody get hurt. No. But I'll tell you this. It can take out a whole city block almost. I, I understand that. Tell me, in the club, do you have any injured people with you that you brought with you? I'm not, I'm not letting you know nothing. Well, I'm trying to offer you help. Well, you need to know that they need to stop bombing off Syria and it off. The U.S. is collaborating with Russia, and they're killing innocent women and children, okay? I hear what you're saying. My homeboy, Cameron Sarnaya, did his thing on the Boston Marathon. My homeboy, Munir Abu Salman, did his thing. Okay? So now, it's my turn. Okay? Okay. Let's start. My name's Andy. What's yours? My name is Islamic Soldier. Okay? Okay. It's, it, what can I call you? Call me Mujahideen. Call me the Soldier of God. So that's that's a lot for me to say. So can I just can I just call you something else? Do you have an, uh, a name, a nickname? Can you help me? You know? Yeah. I'm I'm here. I'm listening. I'm here. I'm listening. It's the blessed, it's the blessed month of Ramadan. If you ever know about that. Yes, I do. I understand. Okay. 
this bitch. Your dogs are outdated. I just can't get that out of my head. <laughs> oh, 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 so you're wearing so you're wearing a, a bomb vest? No. I'm just wearing a vest that you'd go to a wedding to with. Yeah. Bitch, shut the fuck up. Said, you I don't want to play said, games with you, buddy. I don't have time to joke around. Sorry. Can we also, I don't know if this is xenophobic or not, and I'm sorry if I'm going to laugh and I'm going to be xenophobic, but he literally goes, he literally goes, hey, what's your name? And he's like, you can call me an Islamic soldier. And he's like, um, what's your name? And he's like, you can call me a soldier of God. And he's like, buddy, I just need your name. Like, <laughs> he still doesn't give him his name ever. No, he's <laughs> just, just like, no. I think he's shooting. I think he has him on mute and he's shooting people because you can hear in the back another 911 operator saying he's in the bathroom. And it's like. What I was um, thinking about whenever he like just wasn't answering this yeah. entire time is that I I wish that 911 centers and I, yeah, you're going to be like, oh, he's a dumbass. I get that 911 call centers are call centers, mm-hmm. but I wish for shit like this, they had them at least somewhat separated by sound. Because what if he didn't know that? Yeah. What if he didn't know that people were riding also, in the bathroom? Also, did you hear she said something about dogs, the dogs, and he heard her, and he was like, send the dogs, send the dogs, and it's like- yeah. Your dogs aren't going to do shit. You can hear everything that's going on in the background. Why isn't it- why isn't any everyone in, like, their own little private sound booth? Hello? I was- yeah, I was going to say that. Like, it's weird. Call centers are just so scary. Cold calls. I get loan companies doing call centers like that, but, like- a nine one one. A nine one one. Can we like change it up a bit? Can we get everybody their own cubicle with like yeah. soundproof walls or something? Like God, we have the funding for it. Yeah, and it all. And just if we goes... don't, I would gladly pay more of my taxes for something like that, so that could happen. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. This this idiot. And then he's like, "Yeah, well, the vest like they used at Paris." I don't know if you guys remember, but in 2016 and a couple of months before this, we had the Paris bombing attack. Don't don't even free Palestine. Yeah, let's, hold on, I'm just gonna say I agree with Mr. Omar at the beginning when he was like, America needs to stop bombing Syria, because you're bombing so many innocents, because you are, they, we are as Americans. Also, the way that he said woman, he said it weird, he said woman. He's very, is he an American citizen? Yes. Okay. Yes. We're gonna talk about that, but yes, yeah, he, he was he, here, obviously. He, yes. Yes. Bye. His parents came from Mac. Afghanistan to New York, and he was naturalized. Mm-hmm. When he How was, old was he? He was about three, four. Oh my god, so he's been here his whole life. Oh, on the topic of Afghanistan, of course, did you see that they're gonna start pulling out troops from Afghanistan? Finally? Oh yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. Finally. I just want to put a PSA. You better not edit this out either. We okay. are literally there for no reason. No reason. No, no justifiable reason. Maybe in the beginning, yeah. But no, not even then. It was just oil. It's always been oil with us in the Middle East. Oligarchy. I hate it. I mean... Anyway, I'm happy that they're pulling them out. I'm, I don't understand why they were in no conflict zones to begin with. Like, I get it if it's a conflict zone. Like, okay, it makes sense. It's because America wants to control. Oh, we need to be there. We need to scare them. No. Shut up and get out. <laughs> all, now, all, now, think about this. All those soldiers are going to have raging PTSD... They're going to come back and there's going to be a upbringing in domestic violence cases and fucking veteran suicides. That's all I'm saying. Probably. That's kind of like after 9-11. Um, yeah, pull, pull all the troops out yeah, from the Middle against East. against Muslims and yeah. Islams were super high and there was a spike in Islamic violence. Mm-hmm. They're Islamic not going to get targeted attacks. They finally found out at around 
230, 240-ish. The gunman's name was Omar Mir Sadiq Mateen. He spoke with crisis negotiators from the Orlando police, and he had a second conversation with them at 3.03 a.m. and a third at 3.24 a.m. Mateen identified himself as an Islamic soldier, according to the FBI, and threatened to detonate explosives, including a car bomb and a suicide vest, the kind used in France, he said, referring to the terrorist attack last November. Searches inside and outside the club failed to turn up any of these items. So, motherfucker was bluffing the entire time. Homeboy. My homeboy and those two other domestic terrorists. Oh, yeah. He said the guy at Boston... Yeah, the Boston bombing Mm -hmm. and then some other guy. I can't remember. He said the Boston bombing and what? Name that I can't pronounce. Mateen is also believed to have spent time online during his siege of the club. Mateen is believed to have also spent time online during his siege of the club, checking Facebook and searching for Pulse Orlando and shooting. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> is it because of how I said it? Like, no, shooting. That, and just imagine this guy standing in the corner. Sit down! I gotta check my notoriety because micropenis. Yeah, I said it. Bitch probably had a micropenis. I think he definitely had a micropenis. This screams micropenis energy. Okay, I'm not laughing at the fact that 50 people, almost 50 people are dead. Listen, this motherfucker is dead. Okay? Suicide by cop. Kind of. Suicide by cop. If you go out and you kill about 50 people in a pussy-ass way, fuck you. I can make fun of you all I want. Yeah. And then to be like, oh, this is this is for all the innocent people in Syria. I'm just gonna come kill more innocent people. Like, yeah, we get your mad, but there's other ways to do it. Other ways That's to express thing. it. Is it even, like, even the 911 operator, he was like, I'm not a politician. I'm not a government. Mm-hmm. I can't, I just, I just help people. No offense. And I'm, I'm not advocating to, like, go out and murder government officials either. But I'm saying. That's where you need to go. What, if you were going to make a statement like that. Wouldn't you ISIS, go to, like, D.C.? Wouldn't you go somewhere and yeah. try and attack people that mattered in your political agenda? And I'm not saying the people that lost their lives at the Pulse nightclub that night didn't matter, but they weren't. They weren't. As politically prominent Mm-mm. as government officials. And, like, 3 a.m. at a nightclub? Whose attention are you getting, like, on the government level in Orlando, Florida? No one's. I'm sorry to say it, but you're not getting anyone's, like, attention for you, the United States to stop bombing. Like Those people in the nightclub had nothing to do on whether they would be able to stop America from bombing Syria and Iraq. Mm-mm. Nothing. They were random people like you and me. That's like what if somebody guy. killed me to get water back in Flint, Michigan, which, by the way, is a serious issue, but I have nothing to do with Michigan. Right. I've never <laughs> lived in Michigan. They'd be like, oh, you damn Oklahomans. They my kill, life, like, a whole county of us. Yeah, Makes you no know, sense. Like, my life in no way would impact Flint, Flint Michigan water. getting water at all. And I, and I get it. I get people are going to be like, oh, well, obviously he was mentally deranged or he wasn't thinking well enough like that's why he committed this crime in the first place like yeah i get that but was he really that fucking stupid no he was very intelligent from like he seemed yeah he also called a friend and he also texted his wife at 3:58 a.m the orlando police department's twitter account warned residents to stay away from the area at 4:21 a.m police cleared a way for some of the people trapped inside the club to escape by dislodging an air conditioning unit from a pulse dressing room window as the club glowers were being rescued, they told the police that the shooter had threatened to put bomb vests on four people within 15 minutes. We so don't now, know if he's lying or not either. So now the police are like, 
holy shit. Mm-hmm. Like, it's go time. Because not only does he have a lot of hostages, but now he's threatening to basically make them suicide bombers. Yeah. Not suicide bombers, because they're not doing it willingly, but he's threatening to put explosive on them mm-hmm. and blow them up and the other people. As 5 a.m. approached, those inside had been trapped for nearly three hours, some wounded and bleeding, calling from police from their cell phones and pleading for help. Police used explosives to try and breach the exterior cinder block wall of the bathroom, where a dozen or so people were hiding, near another bathroom where Mateen had holed up with several hostages. I could see his feet, like, scooting back, scooting back, as he heard the police from outside, said Patience Carter, one of the hostages with Martine. At 5.00 a.m., a SWAT team and the Orange County Sheriff's Office hazardous device team began to breach the bathroom wall with an explosive charge in an armed vehicle to make an entry, according to the FBI. And the last thing I heard from the police, you know, move away from the walls, because obviously they were about to bust through, and Mateen said, hey you, to someone on the floor inside the bathroom, and shot them shot another person, and then another who happened to be directly behind me. When the wall was broken, hostages began to emerge, and so did Mateen. Holy moly. This is scary. The police and the SWAT team were like, we're not fucking around no more. Yeah. This has been almost three hours. We're getting in this club one way or another. That's crazy. He's just been picking them off as the time passes, too. I mean, I'm sure. And again, I'm not in Barbara's mind. Again, I don't know what she was doing. But can you just imagine Barbara, like, waking up from, like, several calls and stuff from her employees, Mm -hmm. and she turned on the news, and she watches this, her club that she named after her brother, and it was a place to, like, honor his memory Mm -hmm. and his energy and just watch it be blown up and watch it become a place of horror instead of a place of, like, remembrance. That's awful. And hope. Again, I don't know if that happened, and I'm just saying, in my hypothetical little, like, universe that I'm creating. Like, I can't even imagine what she was feeling, and I definitely can't imagine the panic and the fear that these people were facing inside. That's very intense. Just to have Mm -hmm. your peaceful, fun night just be broken up by death. As the final battle with the police began, Orlando could hear the gunman loading his weapon, at at one point shouting, I've got plenty of bullets. And then there were explosions and chaos. The suspect came out of that hole himself, armed with a handgun and a long gun, Orlando's police chief said. Mateen began firing at the police, and they fired back. An officer was hit in the gun battle, but was saved from a serious injury by his Kevlar. At 5.15 a.m., the police reported the shooter was down. A police tweet confirmed Mateen's death at 5.53 a.m., just before the sunrise Sunday morning. Dang. At least they got him. I mean, I don't know how to... I don't want to celebrate his death, but also, it's good they killed him. I mean, you took 49 lives, and you injured, I think, 58 others. That's crazy. Mateen was born Omar Mir Sadiq. Sadiq? Yeah. On November 16th, 1986, at Long Island Jewish Medical Center in New Hyde Park, New York, to Afghan parents, his father, Mir Sadiq Mateen is from Herat, who immigrated from Afghanistan in the 1980s and became a naturalized U.S. citizen on November 17, 1989. Mateen was a secret informant for the FBI at times between January 2005 and June 2016. I think they're talking about his father. Yeah, they're talking about his dad. Okay, so I'm just going to say Omar's father. Omar's father also owns a nonprofit company named the Durand Geary Inc. Lucy? Florida, which was founded in 2010, where he hosted a political commentary show. His mother, 
Shalamatine? Yeah. His mother was taken into custody after she allegedly attacked her husband while brushing his teeth on the night of December 7th, 2002. Both of his parents first settled in New York, having four children, including Omar. After being raised in New York for a few years, he moved with his family to Port St. Lucie, Florida in 1991. His family was described as being moderate Muslims and all-American. Mateen attended an Indian River State College criminal justice training program, and in a questionnaire, he admitted to committing or being involved in a crime that went undetected, but did not provide specific details. He went on to earn an Associate of Science degree in criminal justice technology from the college in 2006. He worked in a number of local stores and restaurants while attending school. Okay. See, no offense, I don't like it when people get, like, criminal justice degrees, or criminal science degrees and then they go on to do like horrible things with them is that what you're gonna do criminal justice yeah (laughs) (laughs) why are you laughing you're gonna go on and get your degree and then go do horrible things oh no i thought no i that no is that what you're asking yeah i was like whoa just out of the gate no oh i thought yeah i'm a bad guy No, I thought i thought you were like oh is is that what you're gonna do and i'm like yeah we've talked about no i I thought you're gonna take yours and no, I, Go off I, the rails. I don't think so. We'll see. We'll find <laughs> out, huh? If I just mysteriously drop off as host of this podcast and it just comes McHale's and nobody hears from me, I maybe... had to take Peyton out. Peyton went rogue. A <laughs> wall. In October 2006, Mateen began working as recruit. Recruit for the Florida Department. <laughs> what? I can. <laughs> In October 2006, Mateen began working as a recruit. <laughs> For the Florida Department of Corrections, being assigned to the Martin Correctional Institution. In a letter explaining his juvenile record as part of a successful application, Mateen explained the incident of where Mateen explained the incident of when he was arrested at school when he was fourteen. He also wrote that he had experimented with marijuana as a young teenager. No, no. Um, Following the Virginia Tech shooting in April 2007, Mateen suggested in a corrections officer training class that he would bring a gun to class. P.H. Skipper, who was a warden at the institution, wrote, In light of tragic events at Virginia Tech, Officer Mateen's inquiry about bringing a weapon to class is at best extremely disturbing. (laughs) What? Why are you laughing? He's calling it extremely disturbing. I would be like, Yeah, Mateen, how about you shut the fuck up? He said, Oh, there's a shooting? Let me just bring in more guns. Kill, Kill the bad guys. Pew pew. Red flag number one. Yeah, 2007. Uh, yeah, uh, Mateen's red flag number one, maybe, yeah, making a joke about that after the Virginia Tech shooting. Days later, on April 27, 2007, Mateen was involuntarily dismissed from the program and never became a certified corrections officer. Mateen then worked for British-based security firm G4S Secure Solutions in Jupiter, Florida from 2007 until his death. Mateen held an active concealed carry permit and an armed security guard license. It was also noted that Mateen had no adult criminal record. According to licensing records, he was a proficient shooter who scored at or above the 98th percentile with a 9mm semi-automatic pistol. That's harrowing. That's pretty good. You know, Do you know how disturbing that is, though? To know that he was an at or at least above the 98th percentile with a pistol? Okay, that is very disturbing. Red flag number two. Maybe the fact that he was at the 98th percentile. Okay, and you're going to say, Peyton, he's so stupid. He's so dumb. No, okay, I understand that that's good in certain situations. 
but it's hindsight is twenty twenty. Looking back on that now, every person that he probably aimed for at the Pulse nightclub that night, I didn't even. He probably try. didn't have a high miss rate. That's all that I'm gonna say. Yeah. Oh. So now we're gonna get in the fact of why the fuck did Omar do this? Yeah. Bettine's father said of his son's actions, this has nothing to do with religion. He was quoted as saying that he had seen his son get angry after witnessing a gay couple kiss in front of his family at the Bayside Marketplace in Miami months before the attack. He suggested that might have been a motivating factor. The elder Mateen had formerly hosted a TV show called, I'm not going to butcher it again, but it was on network Payam E. Afghan in 2015, in which he represented himself as a candidate for the president of Afghanistan, and he had expressed gratitude towards the Taliban. Following the nightclub attack, Mateen's ex-wife told media outlets that during their marriage, Mateen was mentally unstable and that he would beat her and keep her completely separated from her family. She also said that he was bipolar, although he had never been given that diagnosis, and that he had a history of using steroids. Mateen's second wife also said that Mateen became physically and abruptly abusive towards her six months into their marriage, and she noted him being kinder in the weeks leading up to the shooting. A former high school student told the Washington Post that he had witnessed 14-year-old Mateen on the day of the September 11, 2001 attacks being physically assaulted by his father. Mateen's father... Whoa! Okay. Why? Whoa, 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 okay. So apparently... Is this the, is this I, the crime I, that he was... That he committed that he didn't tell anyone about? Remember? I butchered it. I don't know. He never says. I know. And now he he's never physically says. assaulted by his dad he on never 9-11. Says. He, he, yeah, but on 9-11, this former high school student of Mateen's apparently witnessed his father beating him. Like, in front of other students. Yeah. And I don't know if that was, like, if Mateen's dad was like, yeah, look at this. Look at these fucking idiots. And then just, like, decided to beat him because they were Muslim. But he had something to do with it. I don't know, that's a stretch. That's a re- yeah, that's a really big re- Maybe really, he idolized it. That's what- maybe. Maybe he was like, mm, I'm gonna do that one day. And then or his like, dad was like, yeah, shut the dad, fuck up! Look at what they've done, you know? Yeah, and his dad was probably like, shut the fuck up, Stop. bitch. yeah. You want us to get beat to death in the street, you say stupid shit like that? <laughs> My dad used to physically assault- I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but in front of other students? He would do it in front of his friends. Um, okay, do you want me to edit this out? <laughs> Do you want me to? Ah, uh, you choose. You can uh, do it either way. I don't know. It might it might give you like a little like you might get like some soft Mikhail fans like. Oh, oh Mikhail has so it damaged. so hard. She's so damaged. Um. Anyways, my Sam's out here. Red flag number two. I'm gonna call them my kale chips. <laughs> <laughs> well, your Mikhail chips need to email us. <laughs> Case recommendations. Oh my god. Imam Shafiq Rahman. How do you say that? I would say Imam. Imam Shafiq Rahman. I'm just going to say Imam. At Fort Pierce Islamic Center told reporters that Mateen would come to the mosque three or four times a week with his father and three-year-old son as recently as two days before the shootings. Which, if you guys will remember, back to the very grainy 911 call of Mateen, he said, this is during the month of Ramadan. I have been fasting all day and praying all day. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure this is accurate. Um, he said, he was mostly a quiet guy and he would come and pray and leave. There was no indication at all of violence. Imam added that he did not preach violence toward homosexuals. 
A former high school friend and a co-worker said that Mateen had no obvious conflicts with his gay co-workers at Treasure Coast Square and a shopping mall at Jensen Beach. A former co-worker who worked with Mateen in a gated community in western Port Lucie described him as unhinged and unstable. He also said that he frequently make homophobic, racist, and sexist comments and talked about killing people. The co-worker stated that he complained to G4S about Mateen several times. Another co-worker told the New York Times that Mateen made people wait at the gate for a number of reasons, including if it was time for him to do his prayers. A resident who had lived in the community since 2011 described Mateen as very polite and a very nice positive person. However, another customer said Mateen acted like a straight-up predator. Whoa. Red flag number four? Yeah. Red flag number four. The fact that there aren't really any consistent public opinions of Mateen is kind of a little bit sketchy. The fact that he's either the most polite man you've ever known, not homophobic at all, and then if you go on another side of the room, he was a complete piece of shit, he was a predator, he was homophobic, and racist, exist. Mm -hmm. Which, I don't think the left side of the group is wrong, and I don't think the right side of the group is wrong either. I think that Mateen probably had a little bit mixed up, because mm-hmm. there's no way that one of them was just a mask. And again, I'm not very educated on the Islamic religion or being Muslim at all. The person that said he made people wait at the gate for a number of reasons, including if it was time for him to do his prayers... Um, I'm pretty sure that they have to do those prayers at a specific time mm-hmm. in a specific way. So I don't I don't yeah. really fault him for that unless it wasn't that specific time and he was just doing it to be an ass. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Maybe I'm just playing devil's advocate. Who knows? Two months before the attack, Mateen transferred his share of the Port Lucy home for only $10 to his brother in-law and sister. Mateen legally purchased a SIG saucer, SIG... MCX, semi-automatic rifle, and a 9mm Glock 17 handgun, the two firearms later used in the shooting, from a handgun shop in Port Lucie two weeks before the shooting. He also attempted to purchase body armor, but was unable to do so, as the store where he tried to make the purchase did not sell the product he sought. A few weeks before the attack, he attempted to purchase body armor and a thousand rounds of bulk ammunition at another gun store, but the staff became suspicious of him and turned him away. A salesperson at the shop said that he contacted the FBI, but the federal officials said they have no record of such report, and the local sheriff's office also said it was unaware of the incident. ABC News and Fox News reported early in the morning of June 12th, the day of the attack, that Mateen posted on one of his Facebook accounts, The real Muslims will never accept the filthy ways of the West. You kill innocent women and children by doing U.S. airstrikes. Now the taste of the Islamic State vengeance, as well as America and Russia stop bombing the Islamic State. His final post to Facebook was, In the next few days, you will see the attacks from the Islamic State in the USA. These posts, since deleted, were uncovered by the United States Senate Committee on the Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs. What? It's a lot. Well, that's not the first time that someone has used social media to try and get their point across before they commit a heinous act. Several people who knew Mateen have speculated that he might have been gay or bisexual. A male friend of his from 2006, when the two were in police academy together, said that Mateen went to gay clubs with him and that Mateen once expressed an interest in dating him. Clubgoers also recalled Mateen dancing with another man. One classmate who asked to not be identified by name said that Mateen asked him if he was gay. The FBI investigated many of these claims, but has not found reasonable evidence to establish Mateen's sexual orientation. 
After the shooting, the Orlando Centennial and the Palm Beach Post reported that at least five regular customers of the Pulse nightclub had seen Mateen visit the venue on at least a dozen of occasions. Sometimes Mateen drank in the corner by himself, and other times he would get so drunk he was so loud and belligerent. A witness who recognized, who recognized Mateen outside the club an hour before the shootings told investigators that Mateen had been messaging him for about a year using a gay dating app called Jack. He gave his phone to the FBI for analysis, along with the login details for the application. A third witness said that Matina tried to pick men up at the nightclub, and dozen of dozen of other witnesses, however, told the Tampa Bay Times that they had never seen Matina at the nightclub. A spokesperson for Barbara Palma, the owner of the Pulse nightclub, called the statement that Matina had been a regular patron untrue and totally ridiculous. Matina's father denied that his son was closeted, saying, If he was gay, then why would he do something like this? Two days later, after the multiple reports questioned whether Mateen was homosexual, Mateen's father said, I didn't see any of it, and I don't believe that that was the case. However, during an interview with the Brazilian television station SBT Brazil, Mateen's ex-wife claimed that his father called him gay while in front of her present. Following the shooting, Mateen's father stated in an online video with his native language, In this month of Ramadan, the gay and lesbian issue is something that God will punish. The servants of God shouldn't have anything to do with it. The Wall Street Journal reported Mateen's ex-wife is saying he did feel strongly about homosexuality. When asked if Mateen was gay, his ex-wife said that she didn't know. And he recalled that he had confessed going to nightclubs. Gawker reported that his ex-wife's fiancé, Marco Diaz, told Brazilian media in Portuguese that she had told him that Mateen had gay tendencies. He also added that his family and others believed he was gay and that the FBI asked her not to tell this to the American media. On June 16th, the New York Times reported that the FBI was skeptical of the reports that Mateen was gay but closeted and that he had made use of homosexual bars and apps. On June 18th, the same source added that federal officials say that they found no evidence in his effects or online presence to back them up. On June 23rd, the Los Angeles Times reported to the FBI that they have found no evidence to support these claims, Hussein Mateen had gay lovers, or communicated on any gay dating apps. Investigators consider at least one claim of homosexual relationship with Mateen as not credible, a man who self-identified as Mateen's lover of two months, Miguel. He said that he believed this massacre was committed in revenge against Latino men. Following, Mateen had learned that he may have been exposed to HIV from a Puerto Rican man with whom he had sex. However, Mateen's autopsy confirmed that he was HIV negative. On June 25th, the New York Times reported that after its exhaustive investigation with the help of the FBI, the gay dating network Adam for Adam concluded that Mateen had never used its app. With regard of reports of Mateen using it in other gay sites and apps for gay men, an Adam for Adam spokesperson said, I think it was a hoax. Furthermore, the article stated that after 500 interviews, the FBI found no evidence of homosexuality, though Mateen's web searches, emails, and other electronic data. The FBI, however, has found evidence that Mateen was cheating on his wife with other women. So, what do you think of that? I feel like they were just looking for some explanation as to why he decided to shoot up a gay nightclub. Yeah, I'm sure they wanted to see if it was, like, sexuality-driven, like, his own personal things, or if it was political. That's crazy. Well, he was a cheater either way. True. You're not wrong. I'm just thinking about, like, what's going through his head? This guy has some serious issues. And both of his ex-wives, he's both abusive to both unhinged. Mateen took hostages after police arrived and engaged in a gunfight with him. At approximately 5 a.m., police shot and killed Mateen, ending the shooting. 
A total of 49 people were left dead along with Mateen and 53 others were injured. Mateen reported to have fired at least 110 rounds during the entire event. The attack was the deadliest known incident of violence against the LGBT people in U.S. history and the deadliest mass shooting by a single gunman in the United States until it was surpassed by the 2017 Las Vegas shooting. After the shooting, Mateen was eventually buried in the Muslim Cemetery of South Florida. Alea Gardens? I, I don't know. know. An autopsy found he was shot eight times by police in the head, chest, abdomen, calf, feet, and toe. Toe is kind of... Yeah. yeah. Why? Like, what, one single toe? Bullets fired from a short distance went through and through from front and back, suggesting that he was shot while facing officers. Several lacerations and blunt force injuries, such as bruising and scrapes to his torso, were found. Although the origin of these wounds were unclear, no alcohol or illegal drugs were detected in his system. So now we're going to get into the 49 victims that lost their lives in the Pulse nightclub shooting of 2016. I apologize beforehand if I accidentally mess up these names. Edward Sotomayor Jr., 34, Sarasota, Florida. Also, NPR.org did a great job of covering this. Kayla and I are going to be looking at pictures of these people, and sometimes it gives like a little insight into their life. And I'm going to read that after Mikhail covers the names. If we end up crying, don't call us bitches or wimps. This is really sad. Yeah. According to multiple social media profiles, Edward worked as the national branch manager for Allen Chuck Travel and describes itself as part of America's largest gay-owned travel company. Edward was a caring, energetic man. Um, he was a loving, kind guy who touched everyone that had the pleasure of meeting him. I can't believe he's gone. Danley Almodovar III, 23, Claremont, Florida. He worked as a pharmacy technician, according to his Facebook profile. He made me feel like it was perfectly fine being who I was, said his friend Hayes Ramirez. She told the two-way. She says they met at Pulse and clicked instantly. You would know when Stanley entered a room. He can turn my mood by a conversation. Juan uh, Ramon Guerrero, 22. He had recently begun attending the University of Central Florida, had only recently come out to his family as gay. In a conversation with the news service, his cousin, Robert, said he opened up to his family just before the start of the year. He was an amazing person and was like a big brother to me. He was never the type to go out to parties, but rather stay home and care for his niece and nephew. Eric Ivan Ortiz Rivera, 36, Orlando, Florida. Riviera was the man everyone in his family asked for design advice. His cousin told the New York Times he was very artistic. He was all about the interior design. The paper reports that the 36-year-old goofball lived in downtown Orlando with his husband. Luis S. Vilma, 22, Sanford, Florida. This is probably the victim that got the most attention. Um, J.K. Rowling tweeted about his death because oh, wow. he worked at her Harry Potter oh. park in um, Universal mm. Studios. Was by far the best person I knew, said his friend Will. He inherently made us all better people by simply existing around us. Part of him will always live on in every good decision I make. He worked at Universal Studios in Orlando, including on the Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey ride. Harry Potter author J.K. Rowling warned him on Twitter. Peter O. Gonzalez Cruz, 22. He went by Ami. Peter makes a difference everywhere he goes. He was a happy person. If Peter was not at the party, no one wants to go. Peter went to Pulse with his best friend, his friend Gilberto Mendez, 
also died in the attack. Louise Omar Acasio Capo, Capo, 20, uh, was a passionate dancer, according to the remembrances being left for him online. His friend, Julius Ortiz, Ortiz, was with him at Pulse, but left shortly before the shooting. He sent Capo a text after trying to reach him. When I was in a very hard situation because of my dad, I was staying with him, but he took him in for a little bit. So he just seemed to be like a really good caring person. Kimberly Morris, 37 also known as KJ. She moved to Orlando in the spring from Hawaii in order to help her mother and grandmother. Before that, she played basketball at Post University in Connecticut and worked as a drag king and a bouncer at a gay club in Massachusetts. Eddie Jamaljoy Justice, 30. Eddie Justice was an accountant living in downtown Orlando who loved to eat and work out. He woke, uh, this is the text messages that we read earlier in the episode, Mommy, I love you. In club they shooting. That's it. It's basically just reiterating that. Daryl Roman Burt II, 29. Burt was a financial aid officer at I said Kaiser. Kaiser University. In Jacksonville. He always had a smile on his face and was a very nice guy. He definitely leaves an impression and had a big personality and he is missed. If someone needed anything, he'd usually just ask where, when, and what are the deadlines. Bert was known for his colorful bow ties. Dianca Deidre Drayton, 32. This was taken on Friday, the day before the shooting. That's sad. Anthony Luis Lorraine. Lorraine. I'd say Lorraine. Lorraine. Lorraine Odisla. Lorraine Odisla. I'm sorry. That's a hard one. 25. Lorraine Studied at the University of the Sacred Heart in San Juan, Puerto Rico. Performed in drag as Alanis Laurel. It is the deepest sorrow that we report that the member of the drag community lost their life due to the shooting at the Pulse nightclub in Orlando. States a Facebook post from the community drag. From the community page, Drag Around the World. His drag name was an amazing performer and a beautiful person inside. Originally from Puerto Rico, he studied education at the university. He moved to Orlando three years ago to pursue a career as a dancer and choreographer. He'd gone dancing at Pulse with his roommate on Saturday, and his family grew alarmed when they didn't hear from him after he texted them. 2.07 a.m. What I have now is a pain beyond prepare, wrote his cousin. Jean Carlos Mendez Perez, 35. Born in Puerto Rico, Perez had lived in the U.S. since he was a teenager and worked at Orlando Perfumana store. One of the customers Perez charmed at the perfume shop was Luis Daniel Lucen Wilson Leon who would become his long-term partner. Both were killed in the attack at the Pulse nightclub. Perez was a man full of life and who loved his friends and family above all things. Frankie Jimmy De Jesus Velasquez, 50. Originally from Puerto Rico, Vasquez worked at Forever 21 in Orlando and was a professional borrow Jabaro, yeah. folk dancer according to the orlando weekly a friend told the paper that velasquez was with his friends at pulse and when he and others were pushed up against the wall by omar mateen who started shooting at the group my brother will never die his sister wrote on facebook he will be in my heart amanda alvier 25 Amanda had gone to Pulse with her friend Mercedes Flores, who was among those who took refuge in the bathroom during the attack. Amanda posted a Snapchat video that documented the first moments of gunfire erupting at the club. Both she and Flores were killed. Older brother Brian told the Orlando Centennial that his sister had spent 
this first part of this weekend shopping with his young daughters. She liked to make them look very good. Amanda, who wanted to be a nurse, wouldn't want anyone to spread hate for her. She'd rather spread more love, keep, in, keep friends and family close, and have a good time doing it. Martin Benitez Torres, 33. Torres, a student at the Sistema Universitario. Yeah, Sistema Universitario. Oh, I'm dumb. I can't. <laughs> I did <the> Universitario. <laughs> this is why I'm having you pronounce everything. Um, in Puerto Rico, had gone to Orlando to spend time with his family. He posted Facebook videos and photos sharing scenes from his holiday. The Orlando Centennial reports that he was among several students from his school who were killed in the Pulse attack. I can't believe that my cousin is gone too soon. Going to miss that big smile. Always happy. I am a good man, Torres wrote on his Facebook profile page. A fighter who gives everything without expecting anything in return. Ready to fly high today. Wow. He wrote that on his Facebook before he died. What? Is that what that means? Yeah, it says Torres. Torres, a student. Oh my god. I mean, who knows how long before the attack he wrote that, but that's... Yeah. Louise Daniel Wilson Leon, 37. Grew up in Puerto Rico, who had gone to Pulse with his partner, Jean Carlos Mendez Perez. Both were shot and killed at the club. The two had met a decade ago when Perez sold Wilson perfume. Oh, this is... Yeah, this is the other husband. They soon fell in love thereafter. Paid tribute to Wilson on Facebook as a wonderful young man full of life who endured countless days of bullying while growing up by cruel people calling him all sorts of horrendous and homophobic slurs. He was the first person on this earth that came out to. He was always loved and protected. He always loved and protected his friends. His strength and character were always an inspiration to all of us. Mercedes Marisol Flores, 26. Originally from Queens, New York, Flores decided to study literature at Orlando's Community College and worked at Target. She had gone to Pulse with her friend Amanda. Both were killed in the attack. Flores's father wrote, I forgive the boy because I cannot take that hate in my life. My life is more important than hate. His daughter had so many dreams. We must all come together. We must all be at peace. We must all have love for each other because this hatred cannot continue for the rest of our lives. Xavier Emmanuel Serrano Rosada was a professional dancer and performed in the show's Disney Live. Matt, a friend of Serrano's, Serrano's tells NPR that Serrano helped Matt accept that himself as a gay person, coming from a place where I was ashamed to be gay. Watching performers like Xavier helped me come out of my shell. Xavier lived in his truth, and he was always happy, even on days he wasn't. He leaves behind a young son. That's sad. You, on this website that we're looking at and reading the names from, you can see... Um, where they've pulled some of them from their Facebook, and, like, right under, you can see where it says, posted about seven years ago, eight years ago, and it just kind of, like, hits you that they're never gonna post again. And I get that that's kind of maybe, like, a bad way to look at it, like, oh, you're just, like, wow, you're, what, you're focusing on their social media? Like, it's depressing. Yeah. It's sad. Ramon? Yeah, Sylvia Mendez. Silva Silva Mendez was originally from Puerto Rico and had moved to Orlando and was working for Speedway convenience stores while he studied healthcare management um, at Anna Jean Mendez University in Orlando. Sonia Cruz, the aunt of the other victim, 
Peter told the press that he was best friends with her nephew and that the two had gone to the Pulse nightclub together on Saturday. Oscar A. Aracena Montero, 26, and Simon Adrian Carrillo Fernandez, 31 had recently returned from a trip to Niagara Falls when they had headed to Pulse for a night out on Saturday. Both men died in the attack. According to the friend of both men, the two had just purchased a home together. Another friend, who says he had known them for three years, told NPR that he was always happy and willing to help others. He was a great man and loved the Lord with all of his heart. He was amazing. This is sad. Enrique I. Rios, or sorry, Enrique L. Rios Jr., 25, Rios was on vacation in Orlando from Brooklyn, New York. In 2015, he had enrolled at St. Francis College in Brooklyn studying social work. A spokesman from the college said in a press release, sadly his dreams were cut short by this senseless act of violence. The college community mourns the loss of one of our own and offers prayers to his family and friends. While he was in school, he worked at a restaurant at the LaGuardia Airport. A co-worker remembered his sense of humor. He had so much joy in him and was so funny. He was such a good person. We lost a good man from Brooklyn, a caring and loving young man. He was already serving others. He was attending nursing school while working as our, with our senior citizens as a social worker. This is the kind of good human beings that we lost in Orlando. Someone with a life ahead, making this world a better place. Miguel Angel Honorato, 30, was married with three children. The family lived in Orlando, suburb of Apaca, Florida. And according to Facebook, he and his brother, Jose, worked together at Fajita Max Mexican Catering. Jose tells the Orlando Centennial that his brother had gone to the Pulse nightclub where three friends, three friends, and that all three of them had made at home safe. No, he did. Okay. So I think that what the brother is trying to oh, say the three home, is that the three, three friends. friends made at home oh. safe, but his brother died. Damn. Javier Jorge Reyes, 40. Known to his friends as Javi was originally from Puerto Rico. Jose Diaz, a friend of the victim, tells the Orlando Centennial that he was a salesman at a Gucci store. Okay. Oh. Nice. At the mall in Orlando, and his outgoing personality made him good at his job. He was always positive, and he was very humble. He was a lovely friend. Jason Benjamin Josephat, 19. He was the second youngest identified victim in the Pulse shooting. Oh my goodness. Like many 19-year-olds, Jason had many interests and was just starting to chart his path in life. According to his family, he was computer savvy and loved to work out and had an interest in photography. The Orlando native had recently graduated from high school and started college classes. Um, he was always helpful, always willing to help someone in need. He called his mother from the club after the shooting began and stayed on the line with her as she dialed 911. She said she heard the shots getting closer. Corey James Connell, 21. Corey, a student at Valencia Community College, hoped to become a firefighter, his father told CNN. Corey was at the Pulse nightclub with his girlfriend, who was shot at the attack, but survived. Corey's a good guy. He loves everybody. On Facebook, Corey's brother Ryan called him the superhero of our family. God got the best of the angels, he wrote. Juan P. Rivera Velasquez, 37. There's another one. Louise Daniel Con Louise Daniel Condi Cond thirty-nine. I think it's Condi. Um, they were together at the pulse when they were shot. Um there is a 
quote from a Facebook user, Pippo. Um, it had to translate, but it means they left together like the couple that they are. Um, another Facebook user recalled them as two extraordinary human beings. They owned a salon and spa together and had been business partners for a decade. Wow. For a decade. They were both exceptional people. Um, they were always helping each other. Jonathan Antonio Camoy Vega, 24, produced in Orlando for Telemundo. He was a member of the National Association of Hispanic Journalists. According to President Menda, he had joined the Journalism Association as a student in Puerto Rico before moving to Florida. Christopher Andrew Linonen, 32, drove to Pulse at 4 a.m. after she'd heard there was a shooting. Okay, so his mom had drove to the Pulse at 4 a.m. after she heard that there was a shooting. Her son, Christopher, had been at the club, and after his... And after the attack, his friends had posted online that they didn't know where he was. Oh, I'm getting goosebumps. She stood on the street, sobbing and begging from a word for her, from her son. These are non-cynical killings of our children. They're killing our babies. Christine's emotional appeal for, for news of her son's aired TVs all around the nation. She said she was proud of Christopher, saying that he won a humanitarian award for founding the Gay-Straight Alliance at his high school. She begged for the world to try and get rid of the hatred and the violence, please. On Monday, the confirmation came. Christopher had died in the shooting. Nightclub photographer shared a photo of Instagram of Christopher and his boyfriend. Juan, who had also died in the attack, she took the photo with a different nightclub on Friday, just one day before the shooting. I am haunted that I may have taken the last photo of them together. They were so beautiful. That's so sad. Look at them. They were. They were both very photogenic. Yeah. Frank Hernandez, 27. His family called him Frankie. Frank was at the Pulse nightclub in Orlando when his boy, with his boyfriend when the shooting began. According to the Miami Herald, by the time the Hernandez's teenage sister, Ulyssa, Ulyssa, Made the 12-hour drive to Orlando from their childhood home in Louisiana, Hernandez was dead. I don't want to say it. I don't want to believe it. I don't understand why he had to be one of the many victims who didn't make it. Why did it have to be him of all people? They took my big brother away from me. They took him away from us. Shane Evan Tomlinson, 33. Tomlinson was a lead singer in a cover band called Frequency earlier Saturday night. The Orlando Centennial reports he was singing at another nightclub. He was vibrant and a charismatic lead vocalist, the paper writes. Orlando will miss his voice. The world will miss his voice. Brenda Lee Marquez McCool, 49. McCool, a mother of 11 and a grandmother of 6, loved dancing salsa and had gone to the Pulse with her son, Isaiah Henderson, 21. A Brooklyn native, McCool had moved down to Orlando from California, a cancer survivor, a stellar mother, and a proud and fierce advocate for her LGBT family. She tore up the dance floor when salsa or anything was playing. Um, McCool had become a loved figure at the Pulse nightclub. She was like a mom of Pulse, says clubgoer Carlos. She supported us and was there with us the whole time. At 12.04 a.m. Sunday morning, McCool posted a video from the Pulse on Facebook. Music blaring, color lights flashing, couples dancing. Two hours later, she was still dancing when Omar Martin began shooting. Brenda saw him point the gun. She said, get down to Isaiah, and she got in front of him. Two bullets struck McCool, and her son escaped with his life. She was shot dead. That's how much she loved her kids. If it weren't for her, he would have been shot. It's crazy. Angel L. 
Candelario Pedro, 28. Angel had been a Zumba instructor in Chicago until a few months ago when he moved to Orlando. According to his employer, he was scheduled to start at his new job in his new city on June 20th, working as an ophthalmic technician? Ophthalmic. At the Florida Retina Institute? Um, Angel was originally from Puerto Rico. His aunt tells the Univision that her nephew was very humble, respectful, and studious. She says that the family is making arrangements to transport his body back to Puerto Rico for burial. Geraldo A. Ortiz Jimenez, 25. He went by Drake. Drake was an actor, a dancer, and a proud Dominican. He was raised in the U.S. and lived in Puerto Rico. He studied law, and according to his Facebook profile at a university in Puerto Rico, after his death was confirmed on Monday, messages poured over social media. God, my brother, wrote one, wrote one friend. This isn't fair. I think it's pronounced Akira Monet Murray, 18. She was the youngest. If 19 was the second youngest, then 18 is going to be the youngest. Murray graduated with honors from the West Catholic Preparatory High School in Philadelphia. Murray and her friends were on vacation in Orlando to celebrate her graduation and visit her brother. She was a respectful and self-determined young woman who was served to be a natural leader to her teammate. Her basketball coach writes in a statement on the school's website, Losing Akira is heartbreaking. Akira's mother, Natalie, tells NPR that she called her parents just after 2 a.m. on Sunday. She called to tell us that she had been shot, and at this point, she's frantic. She's screaming. She's crying. She's saying, Mommy, please help me. I'm bleeding so bad. Please call the cops. Please help me, Mommy, please. 18-year-old Akira died of a gunshot wound to the arm, which severed a major artery. Akira had planned to attend Mercyhurst Northeast, part of the Mercyhurst University in Erie, PA, on a full basketball scholarship. Paul Terrell Henry, 41. Henry, a Chicago native, loved to dance and was great at pool, his boyfriend tells the Orlando Centennial. Henry had such a loving spirit. He wanted the best for me to succeed and help make something of myself. I am definitely going to do that for him. Facebook user Stephanie, who said that she used to work with Henry, posted in a remembrance, saying that he was encouraging and always smiling. I remember him for his infectious, boisterous personality, pink polo shirt, and huge belt buckles. Henry had two children and a daughter who recently graduated from high school. Antonio Devon Brown, 29. Brown was a captain in the U.S. Army Reserves. He was in the ROCT program at Florida AMU University, where he earned a degree in criminal justice in 2008. Brown was deployed to Kuwait from April 2010 to March 2011. Jane Brookshire, who worked for the 1st Infantry Division Sustainment Brigade at Fort Riley, where Brown was serving, left, was serving there before he left for active duty and joined the reserves. He was the one person who used to come to my office every day and make sure that I was having a good one. He would just sit there, talk, and laugh. He was an amazing officer, friend, and an absolute joy to be around. Christopher Joseph San Feliz, 24. Lived in Tampa and worked as a personal banker at J.P. Morgan Chase. A high school teacher of his told the Times he was the most positive guy I've ever known. His family immigrated from Cuba in the 60s and were very close-knit. My little brother was the most important person in my life. Has passed away. He was so strong and he was my rock through everything that we ever went through. He was the light of my family. Alejandro Barrios Martinez, 21 had immigrated from Cuba to Florida in 2014. His cousin, journalist Alvarez, 
um, told Cafe in Spanish after the far, the far-flung family was living in rage and anguish. Um, Alvarez lives in Chile, lives in Orlando, and his mother lives in Cuba. Alvarez denounced the attack on the club and defended the right of his cousin and others at the club to live without apology. Rodolfo Ayala, I'm sorry, this is kind of a tough one. It's Rodolfo Ayala Ayala, 33? Yeah, because it's the same. It's same. Yeah. An employee since 2011 of Florida's One Blood Blood Donation Center, Alaya had recently been promoted to supervisor of a team co- coordinating platelet products for patients. Uh, One Blood saw many donors in the wake of the attack of Orlando's Pulse nightclub. I can't tell you that Rodolfo. Rodolfo was a dedicated person who took pride in the fact that every day he had a chance to help save lives. He was a lab technician who moved to Orlando from Puerto Rico in pursuit of happiness. He was very proud of being a gay man in the community. No one could tell him different. Tevin Eugene Crosby, 25. Originally from Statesville, North Carolina, owned a marketing firm, Total Entrepreneur Concepts. He graduated from West Yardell High School in Statesville and studied business at Strader University South in Charlotte, North Carolina. His high school English teacher, Jacqueline, tells that when he graduated, the staff voted Crosby one of its unsung heroes for his perseverance. I want people to know the laughter and the joy that he spread. Crosby's brother says that Crosby was a great businessman. He was very ambitious. Whatever goal he had in mind, he worked hard. Ilmeri Rodriguez Sullivan, Sullivan, 24, was known as Mary, is survived by her husband and two young boys. She went to the pole Saturday night with the group introducing her brother-in-law, William, who was shot twice and survived, and a friend, Jonathan, who did not. We went there for a night of fun, Sister Natalia wrote on a GoFundMe page set up for her funeral expenses. Her smile lit up the room, and her laughter brought a smile to your heart. Borges, who wrote on her Facebook, said that she had died like a hero while trying to protect Sullivan. Jonathan's body was found protecting my sister-in-law. Borges said that she favored going to Pulse. Let's go to a gay club, she told him, because they're killing it at the other clubs. Wait, what? Because they're killing at the other clubs? They're killing each other at regular clubs. That's why she wanted to go to a gay club. Yeah, that's pretty sad. That's what that means? Yeah. That's fucked up. It's very fucked up. Can you imagine, like, you favor a certain club because nothing bad happens there? And then then the one night that you go, it gets shot up. Uh, Joel Rayon Paniagua, 32. Humble, cheerful, and religious. And he loved to dance. He was loyal. He was always trying to do stuff to make you feel better. Before the news of his death had been announced, his cousin, Jose, spoke to Newsday as he waited for word to send the rest of the family in Florida and Mexico. They, he said they'd never expect something like this, not in America. We came here for a better life. We came here because the United States had so many opportunities, because we were fleeing, because in our other country there was a lot of crime, violence, and death, and we expect it should be peaceful here. Uh, Juan Chavez Martinez, 25. He was remembered by a hotel housekeeper he supervised as kind and loving. There was nobody else like him. He was the youngest of six children. He was the best brother. He was always cheerful, and he was the one who supported my parents. Gerald Arthur Wright, 31. 
His friends and co-workers knew Jerry Wright is quiet, kind, and hardworking, part of the Disney family. Many employees at Walt Disney World called the team there. Wright worked at the Emporium Shop at the Orlando theme park. A former co-worker, Scott Dickinson, tells the Orlando Centennial that Jerry was a great guy to work with. He was quiet, but really wonderful with all the guests. He always had a smile on his face. Leroy Valentin Fernandez, 25. He loved to sing and dance. He described himself on Instagram as a dancer, stylist, and fashion enthusiast. He frequently shared photos and videos featuring his own design and choreography. Choreography. Thank you. Thank you. You're getting. Are you getting mad at me? No, I'm I'm just choreography. It's so hilarious. Choreography. Shut up. Keep going. Mikhail Chipper's gonna come at me. Be like, he can't spell. He can't. He can't pronounce shit. (laughs) I can't. Okay. Totally pardon. Totally not some of the reason why she's my co-host. Jean C. Neves Rodriguez, 27. Just like a big teddy bear. Whatever you needed, you could count on him. He loved the beach and cars. He attended Oak Ridge High and was the general manager of the check cashing service. He wanted to be the best at what he did, and he would work very hard to achieve that. And that is it. A lot of good people. A lot of just pure, innocent people, it seemed. Relatively young, too. 30 and This below. happened five years ago. Five years ago. The youngest victim of the Pulse nightclub shooting attack probably would have been about 23 years old. She was 18 at the time of her death. Yeah. And she would have been, 23, depending 24? on when her birthday was, about 23. Oh my god. 23, 24. 23. Graduated college. Yeah, straights. Still think we need Pride Month? <laughs> Holy shit! What? Straight Pride Month is out the door, bitches. You know what? No, I'm not gonna say it. It's no, weird. say it. No, it's rude. It's actually really disturbing and bad. I don't want to say it. What are you gonna the say? The FBI might be on my doorstep by what? what are you gonna say? I was gonna say... I can edit it out. To make a point here, everybody wants to talk about how straight people are oppressed. Let's look something up real quick, shall we? I'm gonna look up... Did you just search Google in the Google? <laughs> yeah, because it pulls up this weird document. And okay. It's, okay. What should I look up? Straight club mass murder. Oh, would you look at that? You want to know what is the first thing that pops up on Google? The Orlando shooting. Yeah, dumbasses. You... <laughs> okay, and I you get, don't need... I get it. I get it. People are like, "Wow, Peyton is so dumb. He should not be a po- he should not be a host." Okay. Wait, why? Listen, I'm gonna say this. I understand that not everybody that was shot at the Orlando Pulse nightclub shooting was gay, okay? But I'm gonna say that a good portion of them were probably part of the LGBT community. It was known as a gay nightclub, predominantly, like, LGBT-friendly nightclub. Yeah, yeah, you wanna know what pops up when you search straight club mass murder? Do it right now! Pause this podcast. No, you can do it right now. Hit in Google. It's literally, it literally says Pulse. Yeah, the Saturday marks five years since mass shooting at Pulse. Literally. Lives lost forever in the Pulse nightclub. The first page is just all Pulse. And I, w- and I will admit, I will admit, looking at the little brief descriptions, it does say, deadliest mass shootings, dot, 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 fair number were straight men and women, dot, dot, dot. Listen, I understand that these people were not shot because they were straight. Okay, I doubt they that were he shot told, because they were. I doubt that he told all the straighties to line up against the wall and shot them. What's your okay? sexuality? 
Say it now! Okay, and I'm, I <laughs> doubt that he also did that with people in the LGBT community. But I'm telling you guys, you keep wanting to be oppressed so bad, and you're not. When is the last time in high school that somebody walked up to you and said, yeah, are you a hetero? And punched you in the face. <laughs> yeah, fu- are you a hetero? Yeah, yeah, and punched you in the face. Name one time. You know what? Email us. I... Email us at thekillersmp at gmail.com because I would love to hear it. I would love to hear a story of spray depression. I'm going to start punching heteros in the face. <gasps> no. Are you Are you in a relationship? Oh, yeah. With a, with a man or a woman, sir. A lady. Boom! Right in the noggin. I'm gonna bully LB for being straight. Oh my god. <laughs> Don't do that. I'm, g- I'm gonna You're gonna bully. put my relationship in shambles. He's gonna like, Mikhail. Uh, Jake's just... looking real nice these days <laughs> working out. Let's lick it up. You see, I can't I even spell go straight to... correctly. Straight people are scared of going to gay conversion therapy. Straight. <laughs> Let's look that up. Straight conversion therapy. This is How much why does it cost, do you think? This is why we're never going to get a paid sponsorship. Just look at conversion therapy, because I'm curious. Oh! Oh my god! What? Oh my god, look, guys. About conversion therapy, the Trevor Project. It says in the brief little description that I get before I click on it, attempting to change someone's sexual orientation from lesbian, gay, or bisexual to straight. Damn straight. What do you think of that? The straights are like the white colonizers like white people straight let's look up straight oppression and i'm not saying don't take this as oh my god peyton hates every straight person (laughs) ever no i do not that's not what i'm saying shout out to my middle school science teacher that is listening to this podcast i'm not talking about you okay you are a very good, impactful person in my life. I'm not saying that i hate the straight people okay i I am not kidding i love straight people sometimes mikhail's straight yeah. I love Mikhail. Mikhail's my best friend. My family is obviously really straight. Okay? Half the people I work with are straight. Yeah, fuck those guys at work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Rot. <laughs> is that better? <laughs> uh, um, straight? Op- how do you spell oppression? O-P-P-R-S-S-S-S-S. O-P-P. You know there me. You Privilege 101. Send the right message. Why there is no straight pride parade. I'm fine. Check yourself. Oh, okay. I want to read this. Here we go. How to privilege and oppression work. Okay, no. I'm a, I'm a T word now. I've got to use my God voice. Priv- hey, privilege operates invisibly. I can't do that. Almost always without bad intentions. Other times, it's just how things are. For example, a bandage that is a skin color is really a white person's skin color. Whiteness is seen as normal, while other skin colors are not. The creators of these bandages were probably not trying to be racist, but whether it was intentional or not, it's an example of oppression. Microaggressions, y'all. Microaggressions. Microaggressions are real. They're serious. Uh, yeah. Oh, I want to talk about privilege. I'm sure most of you people, if you're on social media... You're not on much. You're not on social media as much as everyone else. But yeah, probably there's not. like a around like I don't know. I don't watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians, but they had a reunion because their show ended or whatever. And I guess oh, Kendall yeah. Kendall was talking about how like her privilege basically and how she flies under the radar or something, and it, how she um I don't know something along the lines of how she experienced what it's like to not be privileged. And it's, I'm pretty sure she's talking, I know, I'm pretty sure she's talking about her tequila that she just created. And 
the way she did it is that she put it under names that didn't signify that she was famous at all, just a creator. What? Do you realize how much money it takes to create a whole tequila brand, Kendall Jenner? You, that's still privilege. Just no because there are like hundreds of tequila brands. And exactly. What is she gonna sell it at one fifty a pop? I well, every the working class cannot afford. That's what I'm saying. And all the people were like, she's just stealing this, gentrifying it, hmm. colonizing it. Okay, you know she's what? not even Mexican because tequila is made in Mexico. Strictly made in Mexico. Okay. Okay. You know what? I got a challenge for you guys. I got a challenge, and I'm going to say this before I plug all the social medias. Fill the email inbox with hate. I don't give a fuck. Okay? If you guys absolutely think that straight oppression is real, and you want a straight pride, if you really want it, here's what you're going to do. I want you to come out to every single person that you've ever known as a straight person, or bonus points if you come out as straight and cisgender. And guess what? If you're thinking to yourself... Oh, Peyton, that's not a big deal. I can do that. Check your fucking self. See how fucking easy that was for you? How you didn't even have the slight of bit hesitation? Oh, that's so easy. I'll do that. I'm straight, Mom. I'm you straight, are, Dad. No you, shit. You are straight privilege. You are the Listen, right Kyle now. and Becky, don't get drunk and try to go fuck your friend. Um, fucking uh, okay. Brandon. Calm down. That's a little rapey. That's what happens. What are you talking about right now? Because people are uncomfortable with their sexuality, so it only comes out when they're not inhibited, when they're not sober. And that's not fair either to the people around them. True. Okay. I know both men and women are, I don't want to make any assumptions, but are obviously highly gay and are just hiding it because they're scared. You Navy boys out there, I know what y'all are doing behind closed doors. I'm coming for the military's head. I want to do the Lululemon murders. You know about those? No. It's you know what Lululemon is, right? That clothing. I oh. thought it was a candy brand. Lululemon is like a clothing brand, and it's very expensive, like athletic wear. All the sorority girls are into it or whatever. But in like 2011, two workers were working, closed down the store. One of them trapped the other one in the back room, stabbed her over 300 times. What? Over 300 times, called the police and said. We were robbed and raped. Come help us. She didn't rape her. Okay. No, she staged it and called the police and said, we were robbed and raped and my friend got killed. My coworker got killed. Crazy. Lululemon murders. We need to cover it. ASAP. Okay. Also, thank you for listening to us rant for two hours. We do go on a couple rants. Couple long rants. Also a lot of silence. A lot of political backlash that we might get. Hateful towards the military. Don't no, say that. No, Biggie. Okay. Well, I, you can leave look, that part in because we were. I'm gonna admit, I, I'm hateful. I don't think you're hateful. I think you're. Oh, very, I'm hateful. I think that you're very strict. I went off on a big ass rant about straight oppression. So I think we should leave that rant in. What my straight oppression rant? Yeah. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to not be like the other podcasts. We should just give our unedited podcasts and put them out there. That is not going to work. We, get we will canceled, get canceled immediately. We get canceled. Hey, cancel me, baby. I'm popular then. People will be talking about me. We'll get more listeners. No. <laughs> I'm going to Anyway, thank you for tuning in on our fourth week here. We've been doing this a month now. We have. We've been doing this a month. Yeah, pretty exciting. Making big strides. I don't know. Maybe if you... Give us some feedback, you losers. Guys, I want to start a Twitch channel. Drink the Kool-Aid, guys. Come on. I don't know, guys. I only have one friend, and it's... 
the me. co-host. It's me. Yeah, because if, if, if no one lets us know, no one gives us any suggestions on what to do, then I'm just going to go crazy. I don't care. Um, I'm just going to mark this as a failure, uh, write <clears throat> it in my diary. Oh my god. And uh, burn it along with all the other books I wrote in the eighth grade. I'm sorry if any of you are furries. Get the fuck out right the fuck now. I am furry fucking phobic. I'll be furry phobic till I die. I was vice president of GSA in high school. What no. the fuck is GSA? Gay Straight Alliance. All right. Get the fuck out, furries. I'm not playing with you. Well, Sydney, why are you laughing? <laughs> are you laughing at my at my legacy? Before I became vice president and that certain oh. set of like. People came in. It was literally just ran by furries. They like it was like a like a facade, like a front to gather as like all furries because it was like. Gay so you break into the infiltration. Yeah, I broke in. I said, group. "Get the fuck out! <laughs> We're not doing this today." Okay, but if you had to pick a fursona, I can't believe you just said that to me. You said fursona. <laughs> That's what they're called. It would be death, suicide. <laughs> I kill myself. Cyanide is my fursona. Persona? I'm just, listen, Water. bro. Earth. This is how I feel Fire. like some people react when I'm like, yeah, Air. I'm a non-binary trans mask. I feel like people are, like, the gun in the mouth. him most. Persona. Vanished. <laughs> anyway, join us next week for our fifth, fifth, fifth case. episode. Yeah, fifth episode, and it's gonna be a big one. Yeah, it's gonna be the first profile case. Mm-hmm. High profile case. It's a winner. I'll tell you that. It's a winner. It's gonna go down. Anyway... Feel free to follow us. Email us at thekillerspodcastmp at yep. gmail.com. And the Twitter. Twitter at killers. Podcast Killers. Podcast Killers. Yeah. And, and now Instagram. I think it's, I think the, it's killers the Killers Podcast. Podcast. TikTok now. We literally created this while we took a short break. Anyway, I hope you all have a wonderful week. I hope you're ready to hear us rant. We'll be mean next week. Thank you. Bye, guys.